Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids, and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We've included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Melinda Cusera about her novels. After today, you will have heard about making up stories for her siblings, when characters take over your books, winging it to get your first book out there, book promotion struggles, what to do when unexpected storylines pop up, and her favorite advice to not look at everyone around you as competition. Robin of Larkspur Trilogy When her daughter disappears without a trace, Robin embarks on a perilous quest to find her that tests her courage and determination in Robin of Larkspur books 1-3. to three. Join Robin on three thrilling adventures and risk it all to find her daughter. In Hunter's Night, Robin treks through a treacherous winter wonderland filled with wolves, shapeshifters, and sentient trees to seek help from the rangers of Mount Eredren. En route, she discovers a strange power that might help her if she could figure out how to keep it from imprisoning her. In Rogue Knight, Robin discovers the rangers have a deadly secret they will kill to protect. Robin must face a powerful golem and win the help of the mage bound to it. But the new magic she found complicates things, and that help may cost more than she can pay. In Rogue Ranger, Robin treks back into the Enchanted Forest with a powerful mage and his enigmatic companion as her guide and trackers. But one of her allies is not who they seem. Encounters with shapeshifters, fallen gods, overzealous guardians, and strange magic spells threaten to turn the trio against each other. Will their alliance last long enough for Robin to find her daughter? So you did not have the money for an editor no. so you just you just put it up like so, however edited you could get it yourself yes with with i had uh some fa- some friends some family and friends read it mm-hmm. and um i got some good feedback from them because they had never read fantasy books in their lives so uh a lot of so i if some so i write books where there's like a lot of magic and some okay. of they didn't understand so i was that was great i was able to go back and realize like okay in my head it was one thing but what we put on paper is not what was it's not exactly <laughs> you know something that anybody outside of my head would understand so let me fix this um so sometimes it's, it's great to get someone who doesn't read in your genre to read something especially mm-hmm. like in that instance where it's like i'm not writing like about the modern world like if i'm not clear you're not gonna know what i'm talking about so right. that was good uh, but um it had it was the first you know it was the first book that I finished and put out there which was written in prose I just want to emphasize that it was not written in verse um and it so it you know it had the saggy middle problem because I didn't I'm not 
you you I said it before, like I outline, but the characters don't follow the outlines. So right. I now I've gotten really good at like, you know, getting the structure there, even if they don't follow the outline. So it like what started strong and then kind of like went and then ended strong. Muddy, it got kind of like muddy in the middle. And um I didn't realize so then I so I put the original version out. I actually sold a lot better than I thought it would. And I think that's because it I wrote my favorite story. I wrote the chosen one who but with my twist on it. He doesn't uh-huh. know he's chosen. And um he's that like that um hero with the heart of gold, but he can't leave. He can't leave his family and go away. If he leaves, his son will die. So he's got to stay with his family. And so the problems have to come. So the monsters and all the bad things have to come to him and he has to stop that. Well, keeping oh his gosh. little boy alive and this little boy wants to be his sidekick. So there's this like fun family <laughs> dynamic in there because his son is really little and it, it has decided that he is his sidekick. Um, so there's that fun dynamic in there that he's all trying to keep the kids safe and the kid's like, no, I want to come on an adventure with you. <laughs> like, you can't. <laughs> but there's, where are you going to, where are you, who's going to watch your little boy when there's no childcare in the epic fantasy world? <laughs> right, know? right. So he's like, okay, I need to save a city, but I need to find a babysitter first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the same in mine. So my story has like a prison world. That's the fantasy. So half of mine Mm -hmm. takes place in our world and half takes place in this prison world. And so for the half in the prison world, it's like the world got started several hundred years ago or thousands. I don't remember when the actual start of it is. Um, And so it's like very primitive. So like Mm. all the weapons are like, you know, bow and arrow and swords and stuff like that. And all the like, you know, they're using chamber pots and washstands instead of having like an outhouse even. (laughs) So like (laughs) book one goes back and forth and back and forth. And I'm working on the first novella now. Um, and that one takes place entirely in the prison world. And so I keep having to remember, like, they don't have a phone to text each other. No. So we have to, like, magically make letters appear back and forth or something. Oh, I mean, there's certain characters, like, that he has a brother and, like, his brother's always like, where is, where is Sarn? What is he doing? Where is my nephew? And he has no way to find out. He just has to go look for that. <laughs> Last I knew, they were heading to the... <laughs> So yeah. you put you put this second book out there. Um, what at this time? What were you doing? You had your blog. Were you still using your blog to do like? Oh yeah. Soul like was that the only thing you were using to help get your word about your book out there? Or were you using other methods to get your book out or knowledge of your book out to people? Uh, my blog was like the primary thing. Like it went from like zero to like over twenty thousand. Like hits in like six months when I started in 2015 okay so when I started probably in 2016 I still had like a you know quite a lot of and I still have no idea like where a lot of that came from the traffic (laughs) um it just showed up I don't I I I did like there's this like one post that has a ridiculous amount of views and like there was this like WordPress had done this like I don't even know if it was WordPress. It was like, it was some kind of like a walkathon thing where they were trying to raise money. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, I work full time and I have also at, do a lot of commuting for the job. So like, I'm often writing on my phone. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll do this. And I, I'm wandering around. I don't currently have enough money to buy an audiobook to listen to. <laughs> I don't just hit the little microphone button on my phone and let's, let's do some writing. So I did. And I happened to post about it and what I wrote and like, like it just blew up. Like, Hey, 
<laughs> that is that is luck, and that is a huge, huge way that uh, I've talked to several authors that talk about. You know, there is you can do all the promotion, you can pay for all the ads on all the places, and post all the social media posts in all the places. And a large part of it, it comes down to algorithm and luck. Yeah. Do yeah, you like, like like my my podcast episode, the most popular one? I am ranting about my characters because they won't follow the outline, and I don't know what it is that they want to do in this book, and they won't tell me. So I'm ranting for twenty <laughs> minutes about that. It is like ridiculously popular on Spotify, and I don't understand. I'm glad, but like my badly behaving characters are very entertaining, apparently. Hey, you got to take what you can get. I mean, at this point, that's, you know, I. And by the time this episode airs, my book will have been out for a few months. But, um, you know, as I'm going through. Do what? When will this air? Just out of curiosity. Uh, It'll be late January. Oh, might my next trilogy might be out or very close to me. Okay. (laughs) And they really that's the one I was ranting about in that. episode. They really (laughs) there was an outline. There was a plan. They took put it into the fire and then like took that that oven that they we put they put it in and set it on fire and sent that into the sun. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I yeah, can't so even this, describe the madness. This will be late January, <laughs> so my book will have been out for a few months. But I knew like one, I knew and we already talked about this that I was going to self publish this book. I also knew that I wanted to have as big of an arc team as I could get because I know that my videos usually only get like 250 to 300 views if I'm lucky. Um, And so I knew like, if I'm only getting 250 views, and I've seen a bunch of other creators talk about only getting 250 views, I'm like, well, if that's me, if I'm getting 250, but I bring on a team of 100 other people who get another 250 apiece that's a way bigger net for my book to be out there than if it's just me posting by myself so (laughs) how did you I've never done like the whole art I mean the only time I ever did like the art thing was through what is this sirens book sirens Mm -hmm. but for like multi-author like anthologies that I was a part of because it was Mm -hmm. like it was in the contract requirement (laughs) right uh, so and, and I, like the reviews on there varied. Like a lot of them were like, I don't usually read this genre. And I'm like, okay, then why'd you take the arc? <laughs> so I posted, uh, I was about halfway done with my book and I knew that I needed to start getting like beta readers lined up. And so like a month or two before it was ready for beta readers, I started posting on my TikTok saying like, hey, I'm looking for beta readers. And I just had one application because I work a full-time job, I narrate full-time, I podcast, and I write books. So I was like, I don't have the time to weed through three different applications for beta team and arc team and street team. So I just had it all on one application. And then I had like check boxes for like, pick what team you want to be on. Um, And so I had a lot of people sign up that way to be beta readers. And a lot of my beta readers, actually, I think pretty much all of my beta readers also wanted to arc read it once it was like cleaned up and polished and edited and all that. Um, and then I brought on someone who helps promote authors and has a big list of people that arc read as well. And they've been like vetted and stuff like this. And so I paid this person to help me build my team and got an additional like hundred readers from that. So I ended up with a big team of people. (laughs) Where did you find the the person? I, I I keep like, I keep hearing authors talking about the arc readers and I'm like, I've never, I've never done this. And I'm like, maybe this is something I should do. Um. 
So it's a lot of it. I mean, once you have, so I will probably pay the lady a couple more times for like a couple more books. But then once, you know, you're out there and so many people know about you, like I just saw um, an author posted about like, I need ARC readers. And within an hour had already over 100 people had signed up to ARC read. So like once people kind of know about your books, you don't necessarily have to pay someone to help you. But I was like, I'm a debut. So I got because I had been in the book space for so long as a narrator, I had more of a following already for narrating. So I would post stuff on my narrating page that had over 2000 followers being like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing now. And I would kind of like talk about it on both the narrator page and I made an author page as well. Um, And so it was just like because people already knew me, Mm. I feel like I was able to get some a little bit easier. when I've seen like authors that have done really well, it's authors typically that are posting like tips and tricks and what they do. And like you're saying your frustrations with your characters, authors that post like that kind of stuff usually get bigger followings faster because you're posting, you know, your struggles and your wins and your all of that. I stuff. tried that. Those videos got like 10 views. I'm not photogenic. <laughs> I've noticed <laughs> that the people who do get the views they're complaining about that tend to be really pretty people. <laughs> I'm not one of those people like my videos that do well. I'm not on the screen at all. It's just the book. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I feel like it's so weird that like mine, I've always treated TikTok as more of like a vlog situation. Like what Mm. you'd post if you were doing like a, you know, YouTube vlog or whatever. That's how I've always kind of treated mine. Um, But I do notice like some of the some days I'm just like frustrated with whatever and people will be like, thanks for, you know, sharing this because I'm having the same struggle or whatever. So, I mean, and it may be, you know, I've seen authors that like if they just do um, say they started out as like a tips and tricks and then they decide to go to more like what you do with like the page stuff. And then those videos will do terrible for them. So they'll make like another account to do strictly just those kind of videos on that. I don't know. I don't want to have multiple accounts though. Like I just, <laughs> I just want to have the one account that is me and yeah. like, like the videos of my face, me talking that do have done wildly the best is me. Like I'm huge Lord of the Rings Tolkien nerd, and like mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth with some of the like the the Tolkien community on the app. Like mm-hmm. I, I love so many of them. <laughs> I'm in their comments all the time. And sometimes they'll, like the videos where I like do at them or like comment on something or mm-hmm. when I was talking about the rings of power, because I have like I haven't read like everything that Christopher Tolkien has written um or uh, from his father's notes and things, but mm-hmm. like I I'm a big nerd on that. <laughs> I love that <laughs> stuff. But then if you read Kurt, my Curse Breaker Enchanted, um, the Curse Breaker series, like it's very Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but, you know, they can't, Mordor has to come to them because <laughs> he can't leave. But hey, I feel I, like that's how every book starts, though. It's yeah. a song or a movie or something happens in your real life or another book. And you go, well, what would happen if? Mm-hmm. And then that is where your book comes from. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, it didn't really come from what if lord of the rings it was like an amalgamation of like many 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 books uh and the the chosen one trope which i i read a lot of <laughs> um but like i i did fix the saggy middle problem i don't it, if you buy a copy of it well you know it's free the ebook if you get the free the ebook today or the the paperback the it, it's not saggy in the middle it, it was only <laughs> sagging because the first book should have been split into two books but at the time oh. that i was writing this and grieving for my sister i didn't realize that i had put two yeah. books together and 
it's when I was doing the third version and going through it that I realized that like the the first story, like it ends, there is an end, there's a denouement, there's the whole like, I forgot what that part afterwards is called, the, um, after the denouement, the, um, you're using fancy words that I don't know, so not helpful. <laughs> There's like the the you know it ends. It very mm-hmm. clearly ends, and then like then the next page, the next book begins. And I totally like for years did not see it. And then like once I split them, and I just made it part one and part two, and I put a note in the beginning like why this is now different. Like if mm-hmm. you were getting the you know if because I don't know if it if it, in, just in case it updated on people's like. um Kindles. The old version with the saggy, I, that one, like I, I, that's an old version that I took down because I, I redid it multiple times. The book, the mm-hmm. latest version, is yeah. There's no saggy middle. It's two complete books. <laughs> one is like eighty something thousand words, and the other one is like six. Uh, yeah, they're both about eighty something thousand words. There's two complete books in there, and I just didn't realize it. So, <laughs> hey, as long as you realize it at some point. <laughs> yeah. So. I just I just didn't want people to think that it's still like that. It's not. It's it's two complete like two complete books, but they're just so closely related. I didn't want to let. I was like, yeah, even though it's a giant <laughs> book, I'm gonna just keep them together because it's too closely related to I think to break them up. So what is coming next? You said you have a series about to come out in January, or the uh, series January or, just or February, the, the end of the series. Oh no, this is a brand new trilogy. It was never it was not supposed to exist this was not on the plan this was, we were not this it's i was trying to i'm trying to finish out some of the the other series that i have mm-hmm. and the characters did something so wacky so out there that had nothing to do with the the outline i should be used to this by now i should just stop <laughs> out <laughs> it was so crazy that like a character came from the future and was like, yeah, I, I had these people kidnap myself as a baby. And I'm like, that really? That's the whole reason that your mother has been looking for you for three books? Why? Why would you do this? <laughs> and that, uh, that, that revelation came out in the fourth book, which I was trying to finish this year. And like, so the, the girl from the future, she's like, well, I'll tell you, but you need to write a standalone book for me and I will tell you my story. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, we'll do a standalone. I can, I've done that before. I, I don't, I won't, I hate, I don't retcon if I, if characters do something that's crazy. I, I have a patron and I post four chapters a week so, and I, whatever the characters do, they go off and do something wild. That's off the thing. That's what gets posted. And, and once it's posted on a patron, I cannot change it. That's my rule. So, <laughs> um, so I had to post this nonsense. And then the character's like, well, if you do a standalone story for me, I will tell you why I did this. And I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can do a standalone thing to understand the madness that is that you were bringing to this other book that wasn't supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole point of, of the Ramna Larkspur series is supposed to be mother has no magic. Her daughter gets kidnapped by magical creatures and she needs she, a regular normal human being who does not have magic, living in this magic world in this enchanted forest, needs to find her daughter. How do you do that? Like just exploring like how does a non-magical person deal with a magical problem? Mm-hmm. And like, and then it just went way off. Apparently there wasn't enough magic in this series so the characters decided we need to turn that dial to 200. Oh gosh. So I was like, <laughs> okay, 
I'll write this download thing. I put the note on the Patreon. I let the my my patrons know that I'm gonna do this. We're gonna stop working on book four and we're gonna do this. They were cool with it. They wanted to know what the heck is going on. So I started post, so I started exploring that. Mm-hmm. And this girl was like, Well, it doesn't start with me. And I'm like, well, how does it not start with you? The whole reason I'm doing this is to understand why you're why you had someone you why you had these people kidnap yourself as a baby like mm-hmm. that's all i want to know <laughs> well no it didn't start with me because i you know somebody had to get the summoning spell like where did i get that from I'm like okay so then now we're in hell and there's this ex-god of war and this like <laughs> this person who claims she's an, a, an angel who's apparently asleep somewhere and needs him to wake her up very sketchy <laughs> i was like what's going on here <laughs> she's telling him he needs to break into this fortress like library that's somewhere else in hell and steal this book of names and i'm like wait we're supposed to be here for a summoning spell and she's like we'll get to that we'll get to- okay all right all right i'm interested in the, the heist this is interesting let's do that so we follow him for a bunch of chapters he does the heist thing another god shows up and you know after just as he finds the summoning spell i'm like okay he's found the summoning spell clearly this is going to be important this other god comes in steals it from him okay i was like all right now i see where kind of where things are going in in, no (laughs) no it that was just book one and there was way more nonsense in there not nonsense (laughs) just just wild so anyways what ended up happening I got mad at them and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and, and write book 10 of like my heart series, the curse breaker series. And so we could find out what happens after like book nine, which in book nine started finally people found out about his son. He was keeping his son a secret because he was afraid he would lose him. Cause in that he's indentured because he has no money or anything. And, um, is an indentured person you can't own anything because you have no money you're not getting paid because you're paying uh-huh. back your debts so um so how can you own anything you can't support it right so he has this little boy that he's taking care of and um people you know there's a whole his, his little boy decides that he and his little friend are going to go find the baby dragon that was discovered in book six because nobody's talking about it and they want to know what happened to this baby dragon where is this baby dragon is the is the baby dragon okay where's the mama dragon like they have questions they want answers mm-hmm. <laughs> so they decide the way to get it is to sneak out you know instead of getting adults to come with them because that wouldn't be fun and go figure out what's going on it's not an and adventure they- if a grown-up comes along right <laughs> so he gets like you know, he runs into some of his father's enemies and obviously they take him captive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the little boy's like, okay, now I'm in big trouble. We have to get out of this. So he tries to blackmail his, his guardian angel to get him out of there because he doesn't <laughs> want to be in trouble. <laughs> and eventually, eventually he does get saved. Uh, nothing happens to him. He's, he's, we don't, we don't harm children in the book. We, we find all sorts of magical fun ways to keep him safe. <laughs> okay. Even when he doesn't want to be safe. <laughs> um, and uh, it's just yeah so that all happened and and the father got hurt badly and all this because it was a crazy situation i'm not going to go into you you can read curse bigger reveal it was a crazy so so you finished book 10 and now you've gone back to write this trilogy i'm trying (laughs) so i i was trying to write book 10 and this weird crystal shows up and i'm like what yo we did the whole crystal thing we're not doing the crystal thing again they're like no 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 this is different and then at the end of this whole crystal thing, this this is this this is why I had to end book ten on like an absolute like cliff because right <laughs> after that, like this the 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 guy 
who the girl so the girl from book four of the Robin of Larkspur series the the grown-up daughter from the future and her boyfriend were there the boyfriend is now in book 10 of a book it was going to be in book 10 of the Cursebreaker series and he's like well and he's accusing my favorite character Saren of killing his girlfriend I'm like whoa oh so I had to cut that book off before that because I'm like and he's like well I'll tell you but you have to this rogue gods thing that you're going to make a, a standalone, you now have to make a trilogy. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> so yeah, that's the madness that I am dealing with. <laughs> a triple crossover that was never supposed to exist that has resulted in this insane crossover um, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the book one is completely written and book two of the crossover is uh i'm like probably gonna finish i'm trying to finish it before thanksgiving and then i have to write book three and then these people do not get any more books no i'm going back to my my other books there's no more time travel <laughs> there's no this is it this is the only time it's happening that's it's just it's it's insanity <laughs> This is, and I'm not even explaining what it's about properly because I'm so mad <laughs> how this madness <laughs> came about. Like, it is, I, I'm sure it's confusing everybody who's listening, but like, this is literally how it happens. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> I'm still trying to make sense out of it. So, I like to finish off with what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten and answer in whichever order you want to. Uh, let's see. The best piece of advice is, you know, is that is not to look at everyone around you as competition. Mm -hmm. it, you know, because if you do, then you're never going to be satisfied. Like you have to define what success is for yourself and everybody's mm -hmm. going to define it differently. And the and that's why you can't look at other people as competition because they may be defining success like radically different from what you are and their goals may be different and mm -hmm. what they're doing may be radically different. Be, and, and that's okay because they're trying to get somewhere that is not where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. So that's so uh, that would be like the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is because if you look at everyone as competition, you will be miserable. You'll be mm -hmm. constantly comparing yourself. But if like, I think it's like uh, the saying is like comparison is a thief of joy. I yes. Think. Yes. So kind of like that. But if you just focus on what you're like, look at what other people are doing. Like, OK, that's interesting. How are they doing? Is there anything that they're doing that I can learn from or take from that? And if you phrase it that way, like sometimes what they're doing, there really isn't anything because it's a totally different genre mm -hmm. or they have they're or they're like super into like some app you've never heard of and you're not going to go into like there's a lot of authors who are not on TikTok or doing TikTok. So getting comparing yourself to someone who is on TikTok or getting jealous of them, like that's not mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense because you're not you don't want to go there and do that. You're doing something different. Right. So it's not really a you can't really compare yourself to them. And so that was the best. Uh, the worst has got to be um, every single uh, every single product that is focused that is targeted towards an author promises that if you do this thing, buy this thing, try this thing, you too will be a six figure author or whatever the thing is. <laughs> those are yes. every single one of those <laughs> is wrong and lying to you because it's. There's a lot of luck involved in this. 
And, and I've seen it. I've seen so many examples where people were doing like the same things that I am doing, but they had one little piece of luck and that I didn't get. And that shot them into like a whole other thing. And Mm -hmm. so like there is, so I guess the worst piece of advice out there is that there's a silver bullet. There's not, there's Mm -hmm. not one way, one book, one class, one course that is going to like take you from where you are to a full-time author making six figures that does not exist. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of luck involved. There was a, an author near me that was doing a signing at Barnes and Noble and he's doing his signing, and I don't think anybody was at his table. This TikToker comes in that has, like, a ridiculous following and starts asking him about his book while he's filming it for TikTok. And the guy blows up overnight because some random guy happened to stumble, you know, was walking through the Barnes & Noble to get into the mall that was attached to it, stops this guy's table, asks him some questions, blows up his book on TikTok, and then the guy had a bunch of news stories done about him and, like, all this stuff, and I'm just like... That's not going to happen every day. Right. <laughs> like... And 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 you don't know how long that is going to last. Like that's a right. wave. You it's it's lifting you up, but when that when you don't know how long that wave is going to hold you up before it crashes yep. down because yep. it's only because of that it that piece of luck that you have reached that height and you don't know if if that's going to continue mm-hmm. because you don't know what to do to make it continue the people who consistently have the six figures and the thing they they have spent years building their own internal systems mm-hmm. to get to that height and to sustain it the rest of us we hit that and we're one and done because we don't know how to sustain it right unless we get lucky or you look around and you go how did that happen i don't i don't, mm. I don't know what happened <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if I were ever to get to that point, it would have to be sheer luck. Or because I mean, I also write a ton of books, and like every book is another shot. <laughs> yes, yes. See, and I write very slow because of everything. I say I write very slow. My husband is dyslexic and writes slower than me because he has extra challenges that I don't have to deal with. Um, but I write, and I have limited time that I can do it because of everything else that I do. Mm. So I'm like, I would never commit to. Oh, I'll have. I see these authors that are like, oh, I'm going to have 10 books out next year. And I'm like, I might have two or three, and most of those are going to be novellas. So like, but I'm not promising that to anybody. I'm like, I'll put out a book when it's ready. Like, (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I I definitely, it's better to um, under promise and over deliver. uh, Because that's always a better thing. Yeah. Like, but yeah, like, I've also been like publishing since 2016. So that's why I have so many books. Like I don't write yeah, a ton of books yeah. per year, like because I work full time and everything. But mm-hmm. I do, I do, I can write a couple of thousand words in an hour or two. Like mm-hmm. um, if I sit there and like the characters want me to tell their story. I don't always like what they're <laughs> telling me <laughs> or I don't always like the direction that it's going in. But yeah. Thank um, you for coming on today. Have a good rest of your you Saturday. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Melinda liked Aladdin as she got older. Because that story is so long, we cannot fit it on the podcast. So today we'll be reading The Old House by Hans Christian Andersen. The Old House. In the street up there was an old, a very old house. It was almost 300 years old. For that might be known by reading the great beam on which the date of the year was carved. Together with tulips and hop vines, there were whole verses spelled out as in former times. 
and over every window was a distorted face cut out in the beam. The one story stood forward a great way over the other, and directly under the eaves was a leaden spout with a dragon's head. The rainwater should have run out of the mouth, but it ran out of the belly, for there was a hole in the spout. All the other houses in the street were so new and so neat, with large window panes and smooth walls. One could easily see that they would have nothing to do with the old house. They certainly thought, how long is that old decayed thing to stand here as a spectacle in the street? And then the projecting windows stand so far out that no one can see from our windows what happens in that direction. The steps are as broad as those of a palace, and as high as to a church tower. The iron railings look just like the door to an old family vault, and then they have brass tops. That's so stupid. On the other side of the street were also new and neat houses, and they thought just as the others did. But at the window opposite the old house, there sat a little boy with fresh rosy cheeks and bright beaming eyes. He certainly liked the old house best, and that both in sunshine and moonshine. And when he looked across at the wall where the mortar had fallen out, he could sit and find out there the strangest figures imaginable, exactly as the street had appeared before, with steps, projecting windows and pointed gables. He could see soldiers with halberds, and spouts where the water ran like dragons and serpents. That was a house to look at, and there lived an old man, who wore plush breeches, and he had a coat with large brass buttons, and a wig that one could see was a real wig. Every morning there came an old fellow to him who put his rooms in order, and went on errands. Otherwise, the old man in the plush breeches was quite alone in the old house. Now and then he came to the window and looked out, and the little boy nodded to him, and the old man nodded again, and so they became acquaintances, and they were friends. Although they had never spoken to each other, but that made no difference, the little boy heard his parents say, The old man opposite is very well off, but he is so very, very lonely. The Sunday following, the little boy took something and wrapped it up in a piece of paper, went downstairs and stood in the doorway. And when the man who went on errands came past, he said to him, I say, master, will you give this to the old man over the way from me? I have two pewter soldiers. This is one of them, and he shall have it, for I know he is so very, very lonely. And the old errand man looked quite pleased, nodded, and took the pewter soldier over to the old house. Afterwards, there came a message. It was to ask if the little boy himself had not a wish to come over and pay a visit, and so he got permission of his parents and then went over to the old house. And the brass balls on the iron railings shone much brighter than ever, one would have thought they were polished on account of the visit, and it was as if the carved-out trumpeters, for there were trumpeters who stood in tulips carved out on the door, blew with all their might. Their cheeks appeared so much rounder than before. Yes, they blew Treterada. The little boy comes. Treterada. And the door opened. The whole passage was hung with portraits of knights in armor and ladies in silken gowns, and the armor rattled and the silken gowns rustled. And then there was a flight of stairs which went a good way upwards, and a little way downwards, and then one came on a balcony which was in a very dilapidated state. Sure enough, with large holes and long crevices. But grass grew there and leaves out of them altogether for the whole balcony outside. The yard and the walls were overgrown with so much green stuff that it looked like a garden. Only a balcony... 
Here stood old flower pots with faces and asses' ears, and the flowers grew just as they liked. One of the pots was quite overrun on all sides with pinks. That is to say, with the green part, shoot stood by shoot, and it is said quite distinctly, the air has cherished me. The sun has kissed me and promised me a little flower on Sunday. A little flower on Sunday. And then they entered a chamber where the walls were covered with hog's leather and printed with gold flowers. The gilding decays, but hog's leather stays, said the walls. And there stood easy chairs with such high backs, and so carved out, and with arms on both sides. Sit down, sit down, said they. Ugh, how I creak, now I shall certainly get the gout, like the old clothes press, ugh. And then the little boy came into the room where the projecting windows were, and where the old man sat. I thank you for the pewter soldier, my little friend, said the old man, and I thank you because you come over to me. Thanky, thanky, or cranky, cranky sounded from all the furniture. There was so much of it that each article stood in the other's way to get a look at the little boy. In the middle of the wall hung a picture representing a beautiful lady. So young. So glad, but dressed quite as in former times, with clothes that stood quite stiff, and with powder in her hair, she neither said thanky, thanky, nor cranky, cranky, but looked with her mild eyes at the little boy who directly asked the old man, Where did you get her? Yonder at the broker's, said the old man, where there are so many pictures hanging. No one knows or cares about them, for they are all of them buried. But I knew her in bygone days, and now she has been dead and gone these fifty years. Under the picture, in a glazed frame, there hung a bouquet of withered flowers. They were almost fifty years old. They looked so very old. The pendulum of the great clock went to and fro, and the hands turned. And everything in the room became still older, but they did not observe it. They say at home, said the little boy, that you are so very, very lonely. Oh, said he, the old thoughts with what they may bring with them come and visit me, and now you also come. I'm very well off. And he took a book with pictures in it down from the shelf. There were whole long processions and pageants with the strangest characters, which one never sees nowadays. Soldiers like the knave of clubs and citizens with waving flags, the tailors had theirs with a pair of shears held by two lions, and the shoemakers theirs without boots but with an eagle that had two heads. For the shoemakers must have everything so that they can say it is a pair. Yes, that was a picture book. The old man now went into the other room to fetch preserves, apples, and nuts. Yes, it was delightful over there in the old house. I cannot bear it any longer, said the pewter soldier, who sat on the drawers, it is so lonely and melancholy here, but when one has been in a family circle, one cannot accustom oneself to this life. I cannot bear it any longer. The whole day is so long and the evenings are still longer. Here it is not at all as it is over the way at your house, where your father and mother spoke so pleasantly and where you and all your sweet children made such a delightful noise. Nay, how lonely the old man is. Do you think that he gets kisses? Do you think he gets mild eyes or a Christmas tree? He will get nothing but a grave. I can bear it no longer. You must not let it grieve you so much, said the little boy. I find it so very delightful here, and then all the old thoughts with what they may bring with them, they come and visit here. Yes, it is all very well, but I see nothing of them, and I don't know them, said the pewter soldier. 
I cannot bear it. But you must, said the little boy. Then in came the old man with the most pleased and happy face. The most delicious preserves, apples and nuts. And so the little boy thought no more about the pewter soldier. The little boy returned home happy and pleased, and weeks and days passed away. And nods were made to the old house, and from the old house, and then the little boy went over there again. The carved trumpeters blew, Traterata, there is the little boy, Traterata. And the swords and armor on the knight's portraits rattled. And the silk gowns rustled, the hog's leather spoke, and the old chairs had the gout in their legs and rheumatism in their backs. Oh, it was exactly like the first time, for over there one day an hour was just like another. I cannot bear it, said the pewter soldier. I have shed pewter tears, it is too melancholy. Rather let me go to the wars and lose arms and legs, it would at least be a change. I cannot bear it longer, now I know what it is to have a visit from one's old thoughts. With what they may bring with them, I have had a visit from mine, and you may be sure it is no pleasant thing in the end. I was at last about to jump down from the drawers. I saw you all over there at home so distinctly, as if you really were here. It was again that Sunday morning, all you children stood before the table and sung your psalms, as you do every morning. You stood devoutly with folded hands, and father and mother were just as pious. And then the door was opened, and little sister Mary, who is not two years old yet, and who always dances when she hears music or singing of whatever kind it may be, was put into the room. Though she ought not to have been there, and then she began to dance— but could not keep time, because the tones were so long, and then she stood. First on the one leg, and bent her head forwards, and then on the other leg, and bent her head forwards. But all would not do. You stood very seriously altogether, although it was difficult enough. But I laughed to myself, and then I fell off the table and got a bump, which I have still. For it was not right of me to laugh, but the whole now passes before me again in thought." and everything that I have lived to see, and these are the old thoughts, with what they may bring with them. Tell me if you still sing on Sundays. Tell me something about little Mary, and how my comrade and other pewter soldier lives. Yes, he is happy enough that, sure, I cannot bear it any longer. You're given away as a present, said the little boy. You must remain. Can you not understand that? The old man now came with a drawer, in which there was so much to be seen, both tin boxes and balsam boxes, old cards so large and so gilded, such as one never sees them now. And several drawers were opened, and the piano was opened. It had landscapes on the inside of the lid, and it was so hoarse when the old man played on it. And then he hummed a song. Yes, she could sing that, said he, and nodded to the portrait which he had bought at the broker's, and the old man's eyes shone so bright. I will go to the wars, I will go to the wars, shouted the pewter soldier, as loud as he could, and threw himself off the drawers right down on the floor. What became of him? The old man saw it, and the little boy saw it. He was away, and he stayed away. I shall find him, said the old man. But he never found him. The floor was too open. The pewter soldier had fallen through a crevice, and there he lay as in an open tomb. That day passed, and the little boy went home. And that week passed, and several weeks, too. The windows were quite frozen. The little boy was obliged to sit and breathe on them to get a peephole over to the old house. And there the snow had been blown into all the carved work and inscriptions. It lay quite up over the steps, just as if there was no one at home. Nor was there anyone at home. The old man was dead. In the evening, there was a hearse scene before the door, and he was born into it in his coffin. 
He was now to go out into the country to lie in his grave. He was driven out there, but no one followed. All his friends were dead, and the little boy kissed his hand to the coffin as it was driven away. Some days afterward, there was an auction at the old house, and the little boy saw from his window how they carried the old knights and the old ladies away, the flower pots with the long ears, the old chairs and the old clothes presses. Something came here and something came there. The portrait of her who had been hung frowned at the broker's, came to the broker's again, and there it hung, for no one knew her more. No one cared about the old picture. In the spring, they pulled the house down. For as people said, it was a ruin. One could see from the street right into the room with the hog's leather hanging, which was slashed and torn. And the green grass and leaves about the balcony hung quite wild about the falling beams. And then it was put to rights. That was a relief, said the neighboring houses. A fine house was built there with large windows and smooth white walls. But before it, where the old house had in fact stood, was a little garden laid out and a wild grapevine ran up the wall of the neighboring house. Before the garden, there was a large iron railing with an iron door. It looked quite splendid. And people stood still and peeped in. And the sparrows hung by scores in the vine and chattered away at each other as well as they could. But it was not about the old house, for they could not remember it so many years had passed, so many that the little boy had grown up to a whole man, yes, a clever man and a pleasure to his parents, and he had just been married and together with his little wife had come to live in the house here, where the garden was. And he stood by her there while she planted a field flower that she found so pretty. She planted it with her little hand and pressed the earth around it with her fingers, Oh, what was that? She had stuck herself. There sat something pointed straight out of the soft mold. It was... Yes, guess. It was the pewter soldier. He that was lost up at the old man's and had tumbled and turned about amongst the timber and the rubbish and had at last laid for many years in the ground. The young wife wiped the dirt off the soldier, first with a green leaf and then with her fine handkerchief, it had such a delightful smell that it was to the pewter soldier just as if he had awakened from a trance. Let me see him, said the young man. He laughed and then shook his head. Nay, it cannot be he. But he reminds me of a story about a pewter soldier which I had when I was a little boy. And then he told his wife about the old house and the old man and about the pewter soldier that he sent over to him because he was so very, very lonely and he told it as correctly as it had really been, so that the tears came into the eyes of his young wife on account of the old house and the old man. It may possibly be, however, that it is the same pewter soldier, said she. I will take care of it and remember all that you have told me, but you must show me the old man's grave. But I do not know it, said he, and no one knows it. All his friends were dead. No one took care of it, and I was then a little boy. How very, very lonely he must have been, said she. Very, very lonely, said the pewter soldier. But it is delightful not to be forgotten. Delightful shouted something close by. But no one except the pewter soldier saw that it was a piece of the hog's leather hangings. It had lost all its gilding. It looked like a piece of wet clay. But it had an opinion, and it gave it. The gilding decays, but hog leather stays. 
This the pewter soldier did not believe. Thank you for joining Freya's fairy tales. Be sure to come back next week for Sam's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.